Hey there, everybody, and you're listening to Girls. <laughs> we are girls. Hey there, everybody. This is your host, Jen, with the G. She, her, hers, glorious gal. You know the drill. I'm here with my sorceress supreme. Hello, it is me, Caroline. And I would like to acknowledge that I am speaking to you as a resident of the unceded territories of the Ramaytush Ailoni, the original peoples of the San Francisco Peninsula. Right. And I want to take a moment to say that as a resident of L.A. County, I acknowledge my presence, virtual, physical, otherwise, on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of indigenous people who are uh, variously referred to as the Gabrielino slash Tungva people and Quiche Nation. I am not worthy, but I try to be. And wow, we second episode of Loki, and we've already got a lot to talk about. Now, I know some of you have not heard from our Sorcerer Supreme in quite some time, so I know you're all happy to hear from her. So that being said, Caroline, before you before we started watching this episode, what were your initial thoughts on Loki, the show? Yes, yes. Thank you for that introduction, everyone. And um, yeah, I, I've been I've been off on a mystical retreat on top of a mountain. There we go. That's where I've been. Um, but unfortunately, I have not come back with any wisdom. Uh, but <laughs> I do have some thoughts on Loki. So this is kind of it's interesting because this is kind of the show I was sort of least interested in. Um, sorry to the showrunners. None of this is your fault. Um, just that like, I was so kind of curious about WandaVision and I was so hyped for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then what if had some ideas that I was really kind of captivated by. And so Loki was just kind of like, oh yeah, that sounds neat. So having watched it, I think I'm still in the realm of, okay, yeah, this is neat. There's a lot of good stuff here. You know, I think that the premise makes a lot of sense for Loki I think this is a character that I've always kind of found kind of frustrating in that he's so central, but also so ill-defined. So I think it's kind of neat and interesting that they, I mean, it makes sense to me that they sort of start by asking the question of like, okay, who is Loki? Um, especially in the context of the series where it's like, we found out that there's all these other different Lokis and, you know, we're presumably dealing with with one of them running around and like how are we going to say that you know Loki is one individual person if there are all these alternate versions of him and then also to question kind of his background and his motivations like uh, we see Mobius doing when he kind of catches us up to speed for anyone who hasn't seen all the movies or hasn't seen them recently and like (laughs) okay this is what Loki's been up to in case you in case you haven't done a rewatch in a while And so then he also gets to see, you know, his future slash the alternate version of himself. So I think that that's a good way to start out the series of being like, okay, who is Loki? What are his motivations? Why does he do the things that he does? What makes him different than potentially other Lokis out there? But in terms of the overall premise, I think, I mean, I feel bad saying that it is feels derivative to me because I don't think I've seen a lot of the stuff that it is derivative of I'm like okay this feels like it is cribbing from Doctor Who and like the good place and Black Mirror and other stuff but 
I can't say exactly that it's doing that because I don't know those properties well enough, but I'm just like something about this feels like they took some stuff that is popular or is well regarded in like contemporary sci-fi or speculative TV. And we're like, well, that would be a cool place to put Loki, right? (laughs) So that's kind of the feeling I have. And also there's this whole, um, but on the other, the plus side, I do really like the aesthetic and the look of it. Like I, I really dig that kind of like, it's kind of got this seventies, like, retro future pseudo soviet thing going on with the tva um that i dig and i love the little like retro animations that they add into it so so yeah that's neat and i think the uh we've got another kind of it's interesting we're going back to the whole meta question that we were dealing with with wandavision you know because like wandavision was very consciously a tv show about tv shows And now we have Loki, which is a TV show kind of about the idea of the multiverse and timelines and continuity. And I I do like that because I think if you're going to address this stuff, making it integral to the story, I think is kind of useful instead of like, I guess it's hard to say because like, you know, if, if it was preoccupied with that stuff in like a boring kind of like you know, note taking or like catching you up or like, oh, okay, we got to, you know, pander to the nerds who are like asking questions online kind of way. I think it would be very, uh, very boring, but because they kind of tie that into the existential question of who is Loki and who is he, if there are multiple timelines and a multiverse, I, I think that that's a better way of addressing this theme. So like, I, I like it. I don't like, love it i'm not like oh man can't wait for next week's loki but i like it it's i think it's real solid real good overall really all right yeah because i already was aware of your thoughts on loki and i agree with one of your earlier assessments that it's almost like loki's a different person depending on who's directing him Mm -hmm. and it was something i never really noticed or took part of because i think like my attention was always on the plots or you know other Mm -hmm. characters but this is really the chance to really get to know him like for a singular amount of time here from one director for more than just like two hours of our life and everything yeah yeah that's a really good point and i think you know obviously it's it's just my opinion that he feels like a different person in each movie but i think it took me a while to realize that that was sort of what was bothering me because i feel like tom hiddleston sort of papers or not papers over that but like I think there's a because film is so collaborative you know you can kind of have writing or directing do one thing and then you have an actor doing another thing and because you've got the same actor playing him and the same actor kind of managing to rope him together in a way or kind of keeping consistent in his performance it's like he feels consistent even though if you kind of look at his motivation at least to me i look at his like motivations and actions i'm like wait a second that doesn't make a lot of sense but i mean that's another thing i should point out about the series is i think that like tom hiddleston is very good in this role and he's having a lot of fun with it so it's it's nice for him to kind of get more uh more breathing room you know yeah definitely tom hiddleston like he seems like such a charming guy in real life you know from what i've seen him in interviews and such So it's nice to see that he is having fun with this and everything. And it's nice to see, like you said, that he has breathing room, that he's kind of, we get to flesh out Loki's character and 
see Tom Hiddleston clearly have fun with this. Like, there were so many points, Caroline, where you saw me in the chat box just be like, oh my gosh, you know, with the laughing emoji or just pointing out Loki being weird or dumb or <laughs> yeah. doing things that are just so uh, Loki, which is something I can actually say now because now that we're defining his character a little, I'm starting to see like that God of Mischief title he's got going on for him there. Yeah, yeah. Or I think several a few times you're like, oh my gosh, his facial expression. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's pretty priceless. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, that's a good point that, you know, we kind of have more of an idea of like, what does it mean to be the god of mischief? And also, I think this series does show, at least to me, I, I feel like they do a good job of threading that needle of like, on the one hand, Loki's full of himself and thinks he's way smarter than he actually is but that doesn't mean he's not a little bit smart you know yeah what was it that like you had said because um during that one scene where Loki was taking along with Mobius and the other hunters and they're at the renaissance fair and loki kind of went on his little spiel like well if it was me i would do this this and that but i would anticipate knowing it was me you know he goes on this little thing that ended up wasting time and i put a comment like do you think he's bsing or something what was it that you responded to that i said that i think he's always bsing but there's usually a kernel of non-bs somewhere in there <laughs> that was it there we go and honestly <laughs> even though that was funny like there's there's so much truth to that because yeah loki he's very arrogant you could see like that he reeks of princely privilege like in the way he carries himself you know and Yet, he has every right to think himself clever because he's a near-immortal god. He's had years of experience on him, plus a decent amount of magic, you know? So yeah, he's super clever. Doesn't mean he has to act like an entitled uh, prick, but, you know, just some of it is kind of warranted, at, you know, at times, I guess. Yeah, that that's a really good point you make about like how, you know, we just are only scratching the surface of Loki's whole life because he's been around for thousands of years. And, you know, it turns out that like he was D.B. Cooper in the 60s because then he lost a bet with Thor, um, which is I, I want to see like a sitcom that's just like Thor and Loki, like the I don't know, the years before the first Thor movie of like all the shenanigans they got into. Cause like, I don't know. I, I feel like it, there was a lot of, of wild stuff that must've happened between the two of them. So if, if that's what happens when like one of them loses a bet, you know, I want to know about like what, what Thor did if he lost a bet with Loki. Cause I'm sure that must've happened. And I mean, all we really know is like the one scene we see in the first Thor. And then we do know that Thor loves snakes, bless him. And Loki <laughs> shapeshifted into a snake to fight him. So <laughs> that was actually a line improvised by Chris Hemsworth himself. And Oh my gosh, it was so beautiful, so perfect, and it seemed like something that Loki himself, in any iteration, would do anyways. You know, shapeshift into a snake just to stab Thor or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love, that. I love that about Hemsworth. I feel like he really like gets Thor and likes Thor as a character, and so like when he improvises, I mean, again, you know, sometimes with actors, like they'll get attached to their own character and they can just kind of run away with it. But I feel like with him, like he gets what makes Thor sort of so endearing and such a sweet person, but also like kind of 
that Thor should be the butt of the joke a little bit, you know? (laughs) Same with Loki. I think just because they are, they are gods and they are so powerful and they are figures of myth and legend. Like (laughs) they need to be taken down a peg sometimes. I mean, poor Thor has been taken down like way too many pegs so far. I think he needs to get built back up a little bit, but Loki definitely needs to get taken down a few pegs. So. Well, we kind of got a taste of that, you know, now that he's working a office job for like a spell. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I love that. It's like, doesn't matter if you're the god of mischief, if you're in the, the TVA, like they use infinity stones as paperweights, like you're going to be <laughs> stuck in their bureaucracy. It doesn't matter how powerful you are. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm actually a little surprised that they were willing to keep him around to do that, even if Owen Wilson was sticking up for him, but at least they had the restrictions, like Nope, that's classified. Well, I want to know about the end of time. That's classified. I want to know about the timekeepers. That's classified. Yeah, and the only files he can get are the ones on himself, basically. It's <laughs> like, you can learn about you, but you can't learn about anybody else. Yeah, very, very mundane, you know, especially since it's almost like he was at the library almost, like a college library, just going through a research paper about himself and he's muttering to himself only to be shushed by someone in the look <laughs> on his face as if to say like did that just happen did someone just shush me only to turn around and shush the the, the shusher back <laughs> then having to deal with the librarian lady who basically ignored him until he rang the bell or whatever yeah yeah it's it's fun to watch this loki be kind of like I think um, when we did our villains podcast before, plug for our villains podcast, you guys should totally listen to that. Um, (laughs) I sort of complained about how in the Avengers, I find it frustrating that he's kind of built up as like the big villain of the piece, but people keep being like unimpressed with him and being like, whatever, you're going to lose. Like Loki's going to lose. Like you don't have conviction. And here, like, that shtick works, because, again, Loki isn't the big bad. We're not supposed to be afraid of him, or, like, the tension does not come from his plan succeeding or failing, um, especially since, again, we, we've got uh, other other Lokis who we've got to worry about. But the Loki, and uh, I think this is where we might need to give us give the naming system to uh, Loki, because uh, we, we kind of debated what we should call this Loki, who's the main character of this series and your initial thought was to call him loki prime yeah yeah i figured if there's gonna be more than one loki apparently and owen wilson himself like points it out like oh uh, the variant loki that we're dealing with could be like this and you said that it was like world of warcraft kind of loki except for sports loki apparently that's a thing now folks (laughs) i i also want to spin off about sports loki like i want (laughs) i feel like this is a fanfic au waiting to happen where loki is on a sports team (laughs) if there isn't a fanfiction out there already because we've seen loki and every other thing in fanfiction whether a human au or otherwise but Anyway, so, yeah, we got regular Loki, we got variant Loki, and we're like, okay, yeah, uh, what about, and partially where this conversation came up about labeling the Lokis is that basically everyone wasn't calling Loki by his name, they just kept calling him the variant, and it kind of irritated me, I'm just like, that's a little dehumanizing, I'm like, at least give this Loki that's helping you, like, a nickname almost, and I'm like, like, I don't know, a prime Loki? yeah. 
Well, I think because, you know, the only member of the TVA who thinks of him as helpful is Owen Wilson's character. Moby, I think he's Mobius and Mobius. And everyone else sees him as just like a time bomb waiting to go off, you know? So I can kind of see why they wouldn't necessarily want to get too friendly with him, you know? I get it, but I still didn't like it. But, you know, going back to what you're saying about taking Loki down a peg, it reminds me of what Mobius told Loki, like, to take him down a peg, you know, because, you know, Loki did apparently mess up, like, the mission with the Renaissance Fair or whatever. So Owen Wilson's kind of chewing him out, and he's just like, I think you're just a sad, crying little boy, a little ice runt. And I'm just like, oh... <laughs> yeah you're like oh wilson's getting real which like i think is so much more funny than saying bobius is getting real like oh and wilson's getting real it's like oh, oh no man something must have happened to get oh, oh man man to get to get real like that um but i just <laughs> calling him ice runt loki because it's funny yeah so ladies and gentlemen this Loki Prime Loki, the Loki that started this show called Loki, shall be therefore named Ice Runt Loki. Yeah. Although, since we already called the blue and white vision Ice Vision, I think we might have too many ice variants on our hands, so maybe we do need to go back to Loki Prime. <laughs> In our heads, he'll be Ice Runt Loki, but yeah. Loki Prime. Okay. Okay, yeah. Poor Loki Prime. Well, not so poor, because there are moments where he's kind of a douchebag throughout, you know, the episode. Just... Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, about this Loki is that, you know, when we go back to, in the first episode, when Mobius is showing him, like, everything he's done, he's pointing out a few things, like, oh, look, here you are, like, ripping this guy's eyeball out. That doesn't seem very mischievous or fun to me, you know? And then... He's like, okay, here you are leading this invasion of New York. And like, I think it's important to remember that, you know, several hundred, possibly thousands of people died in that invasion. You know, um, that was a big kind of a this this Loki has done some serious damage. Yeah, we almost have to kind of ignore like anything after uh, the Avengers because I know, like, he had his moments in the second Thor and in Ragnarok and I guess arguably Infinity War. But otherwise, we're pretend this is a universe where none of that has happened. And you're right. So far, the Loki we know has betrayed his brother, uh, attempted to assassinate him and attempted to destroy Midgard and the Avengers, you know? Yeah. And he also tried to destroy all the frost giants in the first Thor. So, nope, you know, there we go. Yeah, so he has really not done anything nice, and it's hard to remember that sometimes. You, you know, I almost forgot, because again, like, I don't, I think about Loki, but not very as compared to, say, like, Tony Stark or Captain America, you know, or other characters that aren't even in the MCU yet. But this Loki, yeah, I'm actually a little surprised he hasn't done anything super major yet. And granted, he did at the end of the episode, but... Like, he hasn't tried to stab anyone in the back. Like, even Owen Wilson tells him, yeah, um, yeah, I'm not going to let you go. You're going to stab me in the back. And Loki's only response, oh, that's such a boring way of betrayal. Yeah, and then Owen Wilson points out that he's done it multiple times, which is like, I, I love how Loki's, like, 
the fact that Loki will betray people has just kind of become so like Loki's chaos and Loki's like quote unquote unpredictability has become predictable. You know, like if you are always stabbing people in the back, then no one is going to trust you anymore. Like basically. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's also one of the reasons why I, for me, I get that like, I'm not saying that the TVA are good guys necessarily. Cause I think their whole mission and like the way they enforce it is clearly like there yeah there's i think there's something very sketchy overall going on here mm-hmm. but it does kind of bother i do feel like the people who are working with loki directly have a point specifically i don't know it kind of bothers me the way um the uh i think her name in, is officially hunter b15 they don't um, give her a name i'm still salty about that yeah, and she according again. This is just according to IMDb because they don't say her name in the the series. Um, I, it kind of bothers me that she is portrayed as being so consistently like hostile and aggressive towards Loki when it's like she has a point. You know, she's not wrong about anything she says about him. You know, but uh-huh. we're kind of meant to root. Ag- I feel like we're we're positioned to like be rooting against her. You know. Yeah, like, I mentioned in the last podcast that I'm actually kind of afraid she'll go to the dark side, that she's kind of reminding me of that, whose name I still don't know, the guy from uh, Doctor Strange, the the other uh, guy in the temple who defected, I literally cannot remember his name. Just Oh, Baron Mordo, I think. Thank you. And I remember thinking, oh, that's such a funny name. And of course, I don't remember the funny name. Well, that's the problem. There are too many funny names, you know? You can't keep them all straight. Um, but, okay, yeah, I double-checked. He's Baron Mordo. Mordo. He's played by uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. And he, yeah, he's got... That's a character I, I kind of want to see more of um, because I feel like his arc could have been a little... I, I don't know. I wish we saw a little bit more of him, but his sort of, like, friendship with Doctor Strange and then his disillusion with the... Um, the Sorcerer Supreme or the, that whole idea and the temple kind of, I thought it was interesting and he had a point there too. And so I think that, but that's an interesting comparison. I didn't see a similarity between the two until you pointed it out. And like, that's a good point. It's very possible that she, you know, she's very devoted to what she's doing and it's possible that if she like feels betrayed by the timekeepers or something like that, she could kind of go rogue, you know? Yeah, because I noticed that in fiction and in real life, it's usually the ones who are really dedicated to their cause, like the zealous fanatics or whatever. They're the ones that are either defect the quickest or the they're the ones that go down swinging. Yeah, that's a good point because it's like, I kind of feel that there's a certain, I mean, I think people talk about the idea of like a horseshoe curve. Or that, like, once you get to a certain level of extremism, it it can kind of be, and, you know, I don't know if we can necessarily call her that at that point. I mean, also the problem for me in talking about the TVA people is, like, we have no idea what their deal is. Like, they all seem to have been created in this system here. And, like, okay, you know, this whole story is about the idea of, like, free will versus fate. It's, like, to what extent do they have free will if they've only ever known the TVA and they don't know anything outside of it? Yeah, and Loki and Mobius actually kind of debated about that for a bit, you know, where yeah. like Loki's like asking Mobius to explain and Mobius is just like, oh, yeah, the timekeepers like know what to do. They got us. But then Loki's like, well, to what end? You know, then what? You know, and 
Mobius didn't see any problem with it. And he tried to say like, oh, we kind of sort of have free will, you know, but for the most part, he was just like, well, it's more of a general thing, you know, like, so it seems like something that might be explored, even if it was only sort of touched upon in this episode. Yeah, yeah. But it is it is interesting to kind of see the levels of dedication within the the organization because again it, it does I do ask the question of like where does is it because like does Mobius come from somewhere outside of this or is he also a product of this like again how do how are they making people to enforce um, this time situation but but yeah I think that that's a, a good point you make about how like people who are like inflexible and dedicated kind of sometimes it's like it doesn't matter what they're inflexible and dedicated to it's like they can you know is it, they can switch between ideologies that don't seem compatible but like their methods are the same but then you have mobius who is more like it's hard to say what his sort of philosophical position is because in a sense it's kind of existential in that he's saying like we make our own meaning but he's also you know he's very but he still believes in this authority and in this linear timeline um, but I do think he makes a good point about how, like, you know, to Loki, the idea of Asgard isn't ridiculous because that's where he comes from. But yeah. to other people, that seems silly and ridiculous. And same with the time, uh, the the sacred timeline. And, and for someone who is like grew up with that or who comes from that, that's not ridiculous at all. And Asgard is ridiculous, you know. No, that's that's a very good point. And in. You're right, it is a little difficult to see what Mobius's thing on it is, even though he claims, like, oh, I just accept it, I don't question it, and I'm like, that can only get you so far, bud, you know? But at yeah. the same time, like, he's dedicated to his job, but almost loose with it, and he's not exactly like the hunters who are so ready to kill people, you know, or be rude, you know? But yeah. he's just like, no, these, these are still people, even if they are headed towards a hurricane or about to get blown up by Mount Vesuvius or whatever. Yeah, that's that's again why I wonder about like what is, is there some kind of difference between him and the other hunters cuz they all seem very um just yeah, they they seem incredibly indifferent to the suffering involved in this timeline and I think with Mobius, I don't know if he said directly don't question it, but to me his uh thinking on it was that like there has to be some kind of order to the universe and, you know, we kind of make it that we sort of make it real by believing in it. You know, it already exists. And so if we can like invest in it, it just, again, it's kind of a relative thing. Like to him, that's what he's working for and that's where he's coming from. But to someone else, it doesn't make as much sense because like they come from a different background. Um, Again, I'm not, I don't know if it's like his perspective is contradictory or if I'm not articulating it well. I think his perspective is contradictory because he seems to be arguing that like your mind makes something real, but it's very clear that like the Time Lords have, um, or the Time Keepers have a lot of power in this regard. Like they are making it real and enforcing their vision, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of sort of hoping that Mobius kind of takes a step back and rethinks himself a little, you know, just because like part of me kind of likes Owen Wilson as a, as an actor. I like the things that he's in and everything, but also because I kind of like Mobius's sense of humor and who he is. You can tell he's kind, you know, he's 
telling the other hunters, hey, what the heck? You know, don't be rude. Or in the first episode, he stopped that one hunter from killing a little girl, you know. So I'm rooting for this guy for for the time being. I don't want him to be stabbed in the back or to be killed off or even to turn evil. I want Mobius to evolve as a character and to learn something and to sort of take matters into his own hands to catch a variant Loki, you know, maybe even befriend uh, Loki Prime there. Yeah, I I definitely think that those two are going to end up in some kind of, I don't know, they feel like they're already kind of doing a buddy buddy comedy routine a little bit um, in terms of the way they're playing off each other. So like, I can see them becoming like a weird kind of friends um, by the end of this series. But you know, that's a, I think that's a good question of like, what will happen with Mobius, but also the question of like, okay, what happens outside of the, um, the sacred timeline? Cause like the, the rationale for its creation is that there used to be multi- a multiverse and these timelines would get into wars with each other and cause all this conflict. And it was possible. And it was like, there was going to be the end of everything if people didn't stick to the one sacred timeline. And like the question is, you know, with, with all these things of like, well, you know, there is a cost, but it's for a greater good. The question is, is it actually for the greater good? You know, Mm -hmm. like, is it true that like they have to let, let's just take the example of when they go to Pompeii. Like, is it true that they have to let everyone in Pompeii die during that catastrophe? Because that's the timeline and that's what happens. And if they didn't let that happen or if they saved them or something, Um, with the power they have to go through time like that would totally change history I mean for instance you know just for me as a historian like Pompeii is special because basically the eruption trapped it in time you know so it never got built over it never got destroyed by like war or it never got you know changed into something else so we had this Roman town that just got frozen and we got to look back into the past and see a lot about how they lived, you know, and I'm not saying that's necessarily worth everyone dying, but like I asked the question, you know, is that so important to our timeline that that had to happen? I don't know. That's a big question, but like, is that the case or is this something that the time uh, keepers, I keep wanting to call them time Lords. Again, I don't watch Dr. <laughs> Who, but I keep wanting to call them time Lords. Um, is this something that the timekeepers have just made up? Like if Loki and Mobius saved everyone in Pompeii, would everything actually be um, be better in the long run, you know? Yeah, that's a question that I'm kind of hoping that they dig deep into because don't get me wrong, I'm all about seeing what um, variant Loki's all about. Do not get me wrong, I am all for that female Loki debut. That is awesome. Thank you. But man, there's some there's some things that I'm hoping that they kind of answer like about uh, just time and sticking to it versus fate versus making your own destiny you know what have you because like it's one of those philosophical questions that there's no one true answer for because there's just so many things to you know keep in mind you know religious perspectives background perspectives just personal perspectives So I'm kind of curious to see how Marvel will answer that for them, whether through Loki's eyes, Mobius's eyes, or just a general thought, I guess. So I hope that they don't just sweep that under the rug in favor of the action or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I that's a really, um, a really good observation. And I totally agree with you there that like, I hope that 
this theme that they have brought up in the beginning doesn't get kind of buried under the plot or under the action or under these other issues. Um, And I'm also kind of curious in terms of like, how will they resolve this? Because I feel like, you know, in Western media, because like, uh, especially Anglophone media, your uh, American and also English speaking culture is really hyper individualistic. So it almost always goes, it comes down on the side of like, oh, fate isn't real. You know, everyone has free will. Everyone gets to be in charge of their own destiny. But that's not necessarily the case in other cultures or with other philosophical traditions. But at the same time, like, I don't necessarily want the answer at the end of this series to be like, you know, Yes, the sacred timekeepers are correct. Yes, all the stuff they're doing to like repress people and keep everyone in line is correct. Yes, we just need to like bow down to our overlords, you know. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not about that either. Um so I'm just curious to see if they're actually going to treat this as like a debate, which they seem like they're doing at the moment, or if it's just going to be like authority bad, rebel rebellion good or you know, bow down and accept this one continuity. I mean, timeline. I mean, (laughs) yes, yes. I want that so much, especially in your terms, uh, Caroline, just yes, please break it down for us, Marvel. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to know, are you, are you interested in the idea of like this turning into a multiverse thing? Or do you think that like, the philosophical questions are more important than the question of like, what is this going to mean for the MCU and the timeline going forward? Ooh, that's a good question because I already assume that the TVA is going to have something to do with the next Dr. Strange movie and the multiverse of madness. I feel like that's going to play a big part, you know, as if WandaVision wasn't already playing some sort of part, whatever, but yeah, bring up that philosophical question. Oh my God gosh i hope what they do is that marvel will find a healthy medium to kind of explore both you know have just the right amount of philosophical with the right amount of plot like like how falcon and the winter soldier did i felt like that show wrapped up really nicely like that where they brought up the important questions tied it up together while progressing the plot you know neither halted the other and i'm really hoping loki will do the same you know just give us that philosophy of whether there's like fate versus taking matters into your own hand you know just that plus whatever it is that female blonde loki is doing you know just mesh it up together let one build up the other you know just please yeah yeah i i am also really excited to see where they're going with um with blonde lady loki here i think we were okay so in terms of the let's talk about her but in a sec i just want to kind of circle back to the multiverse point like i i agree with you on this point that like clearly the idea of a multiverse is like on people's minds you know with wandavision um it was clearly kind of being teased or hinted at like we know that the doctor strange movie is called multiverse of madness so that question is going to be kind of it feels like it's going to be central to the next this phase of the mcu and it's going to be interesting to see where loki comes down on that you know moving forward or if it actually has a definitive answer so that's something i'm excited for but then 
Yeah, Lady Loki. Um, let's talk about her. So you, I think we're both excited for her. I've got a question. Do you know much about her from like a comics perspective by any chance? I know that she exists and I only caught a glimpse of her one time in this uh, uh, Young Avengers strip where I had mentioned in a previous podcast, I can't remember if it was episode one of Loki or another one entirely, where I mentioned that different versions of Loki had showed up in this particular uh, comic arc that I'm thinking of. And Lady Loki, like she popped up, you know, where she's like, I'm you, you know, and Loki's just looking at himself like, I look good, you know, just whatever about it, you know? (laughs) And I know in other iterations, and by other iterations, I'm specifically referring to fan fiction, because other than that comic (laughs) strip, Lady Loki is only something I've seen in fan fiction. But from what I understand, Lady Loki has always been blonde. Fan fiction, they depict her as dark hair, you know, which makes sense, but somehow they have her blonde and the female version of herself in that comic strip I mentioned. And from what I've seen, because they didn't have her there for very long, you know, but she seems a lot like Loki, you know, mischievous, clever, silver tongue, you know, willing to stab people in the back and very good with magic, except, you know, it does it in a skirt, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I also don't know much about Lady Loki, aside from the fact that she exists. Um <laughs> I also know that at some point Loki gets turned into a teenager and I kind of wonder if that might be something that we see either see teenage Loki in this or like he turns into a teenager and then like that's where he is going forward like we have him in you know Young Avengers or something. I want that so much. Sorceress Supreme you have manifested this into the universe. I want it. All right, let's let's put this out there. We put this idea out. We're going to put our power behind it and visualize it. And then Teenage Loki is going to show up at some point. Um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe there are going to be two Lokis, uh, like Teenage Loki or Lady Loki or like multiple different ones are going to show up in different incarnations. Like maybe, I don't know, Tom Hiddleston Loki or Loki Prime is going to go off to uh thor love and thunder and then lady loki is gonna like i don't know be the lead in loki season two and then teenage loki is gonna be in the young avengers or something we're gonna have a a loki cinematic universe now (laughs) yes yes i want it just to see all these different versions of loki like we get our world of warcraft loki's for one we get sports loki having his own show for another oh my gosh now yes i want it all i want it all and if they do do teenage loki i already have a small list of actors that they can pick from marvel hear me manifest pick a good one i don't i don't know enough like teenage actors to have a list so good for you you're way ahead of the game but uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see where things are going with Lady Loki, and I also I kind of like the fact that she seems to me a lot more competent than Loki Prime. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not saying it because like women have to be competent. Um, they don't, you know, women can be mediocre. That's like, yeah, have the more mediocre women, please, because like they they shouldn't all have to be super competent. Um, but <laughs> but just like the fact that this Loki Prime has kind of Again, he's not incompetent, but he has a really inflated sense of his own competence. And then there's this Lady Loki who's very, who seems to me very efficient in what she's doing. 
um, and also is not as interested in like standing around and, and yammering and kind of just gets down to business. Yeah, honestly, she really is like a better version of Loki. Like I, I appreciate how funny it was that she's like, you really do like to hear yourself talk, don't you? And when he's trying to talk to her while she's, you know, basically beating him up, she's just like mocking him, nah, 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 nah. you know, just like, there you go again, you know? Yeah. And I like how he's very insistent at the beginning that she's superior Loki. Or no, sorry, he's superior Loki. He's like, just so you know, super- I'm a superior Loki. This is an inferior Loki. You know, and she's just like, yeah, nah, hold my mead. <laughs> that's it. Yep. That, that, that's her catchphrase now. <laughs> I made you laugh. Yes. <laughs> you make me laugh a lot. Not like that. Okay, like yeah, that. That, that was serious. Okay, so yeah, we got Lady Loki. She seems a little bit more, like, goes in for the kill than um, Loki Prime. So there is some kind of, it seems like there's some personality variance in these. Um, but she also seems kind of, it's funny, because, like, as soon as a couple different Lokis get together, they immediately start fighting. Like, the two Lokis cannot work together um, <laughs> at all. not, no. Yeah. But it's also kind of, you know, it's interesting that we say that Loki is arrogant and he definitely is, but there's kind of this like, I mean, this is how a lot of narcissists are in that they have such an inflated sense of self that if you, you know, kind of threaten that, if you suggest that they're not as amazing as they say they are, they get very defensive and very worried about that. So we kind of see that with with this Loki um, where he's like, you know, he needs to make it clear that he's the superior Loki. And then like Mobius starts to be like, oh man, I don't think you're good enough to catch, you know, this other variant. And he's like, oh, oh, you, you can't manipulate me. And it's like, yeah, he can. That got under your skin. Yes, he totally did. Mobius, he, he knows Loki. He, he knows Loki enough to needle him as is, you know. And it's like you were saying earlier, Caroline, Loki kind of needs to be taken down a peg. And who better to do that than Loki? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, I think Loki sort of needs to, you know, I was kind of joking about, like, what happens when royalty has to hold down an actual, like, day job. Um, <laughs> but I think it, you know, it's true. He kind of needs to, like, do a little bit of work instead of just, like, kind of trying to coming up with these kind of half-assed uh, schemes <laughs> and running around after, like, these random goals. It's like now he's he's kind of got a target for his um the way his his mind works and so like it's fun to see him and mobius work together because they're both clearly pretty smart but then you know they've got that kind of the whole detective work thing that they have to do so loki has this kind of wild idea and then they sort of follow through and they test it and then you know that's kind of what leads them to the the solution so yeah Yeah, they really do play off of each other well don't they and you know you know what else I'm kind of curious for this show? Like, I mentioned in the previous episode uh, ep- episode that it was kind of, I was kind of scratching my head a little bit when Loki was re-watching his memories or whatever, and he was getting emotional over mm-hmm. Thor, Frigga, and even Odin. And I was just like, okay, mm-hmm. even if we're considering your 2012 Loki Prime or whatever, you were you were going to renounce these people, you know? And yet, again, we see a little bit of that again when he's going through his own files and he recognizes that Ragnarok destroys Asgard. 
killing so many people in that it wasn't like any variance, but it was something that was meant to happen. And you see him actually get kind of emotional only for like two minutes later during the salad apocalypse demonstration that he just kind of brushes it off, you know, when Mobius is like, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, and he's just like, yeah, it's sad, but here, let, let me, let me get my point, you know? So I'm curious to see like if the show will kind of explore more of Loki's vulnerable side, because I, I get like a guy like him can't really be vulnerable in the first place. That's just not in his nature. But I'm curious to see, like, underneath all the god of mischief, underneath the silver tongue, or whatever it is that he is, who he is, I kind of want to see that vulnerable side. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that, like, his love for his family has always been there. It's just that, you know, the way he either shows that or, like, thinks that, you know, somehow he can have it both ways, like he can betray them and also still, you know, keep them around. And I mean, I think we kind of like one of my favorite scenes in Thor Ragnarok is when, and we see that playing in the beginning where Thor's like, you know, I thought the world of you, Loki, but I'm sick of putting up with this, Mm -hmm. basically. Um, And that's kind of, um, for Loki, that's kind of a slap in the face moment of like, oh, there's going to be a point in which I might lose my brother, like he might not take me back. You know, because I kind of feel like there must have been this pattern before. And we see this pattern of like Loki doing something real bad and then Thor forgiving him for it and, you know, hoping he can change. And it's kind of this. And I, I kind of wonder how long this they've been on this like uh, emotional roller coaster together of like Loki. And I mean, we know again from the, the snake incident we talked about is like Loki's been kind of bullying Thor for a long time or he's been hurting Thor and Thor keeps forgiving him and Thor keeps loving him. Even when Loki, you know, actively rejects him and pushes him away and tries to prove that he's better, you know, Thor is still there for him. And like, I think there's a part of Loki that just takes that for granted because I think deep down he does love Thor, but he also it's like, hey, man relationships are a two-way street you know you can't just like keep doing this to your brother and expect him to keep being there for you you have to do something for him too yeah it really is one-sided you know he's never really showed much affection towards thor even when they were you know on good terms and pretty sure it's very unlikely they're gonna bless us with chris hemsworth's presence you know other than just like Uh, flashbacks from previous movies and such but it would be nice to have Thor one last time but at the same time I kind of get that Marvel wants Loki to kind of stand on his own two feet here rather than just be sort of an accessory to the Thor movies but anyway I do want to see more of Loki as someone who actually does care about his family and care about Asgard and we got we got some taste of that you know it's nice to see him actually care about something and someone for once Yeah, yeah. And I think um, for me also with Loki and kind of his arc, that was one of the things I found sort of frustrating about Infinity War is that when he sacrifices himself to try and kill Thanos and like botches it so badly, um, to me, it just that felt like such a I mean, obviously, it's it was like, okay, this isn't going to be the end for this character. But that in and of itself was frustrating. I'm like, hey, this seems to me like a big character moment of Loki willing to go out on a limb and do something self-sacrificing for Thor. And he 
didn't he knew he wasn't going to come back from it and i kind of like the fact that he didn't come back from it it was you know a, a another version of loki that got out of the timeline and that's why he's mm-hmm. still with us but like that loki that sacrificed himself you know that guy is dead in a way and that guy is still dead and so you know looking at this character now i'm like okay that was a big moment for his character even though, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little tired of redemption arcs that just end with the character being like, and now I sacrifice myself so I don't have to, like, atone for what I've done or face the people I've hurt or anything like that. But, you know, I, I get to go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. You're not wrong. That's that's just but, it. You're not yeah, it wrong. Yeah, it just kind of bothered me that it was like it was at the beginning of the movie and it felt like, okay, and now Loki's dead and now we're moving on. And I'm like, hey, that was a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it still hurts even now. That's why Infinity that's one reason why Infinity War is just so hard for me to watch. But I don't know if what direction Loki's going to take at this point because it seems like from the way the episode ended where he follows after Lady Loki and who knows if he's doing it to kind of get away from the TVA or if he just wants to explore his alternate self, I don't know. They kind of left that unclear when he left this lingering look to Mobius and the other hunters, you know, when they're racing after him. But it's almost like when he was looking at the portal after Lady Loki, he was kind of like, huh, like, I'm curious as to what you're doing. But I'm not sure if it's curiosity to stop her or curiosity to see like what what would you do you know i'm me i know what i do but you seem like you're not doing what i would do but that's weird who knows what they're gonna do with loki at the end of this if he's gonna be an anti-hero or if he's gonna go through a half-ass redemption arc (laughs) or something i don't know yeah that's i mean that is a good point that there's a lot of ambiguity in i mean there's again there's just that's the thing with loki is you never quite sure what he means and what he doesn't mean because it's like it's very clear that he does want to that he has issues with the um the sacred timekeepers and that he wants to get in a room with them. Not, I mean, he's like, I just want to talk, but like he, he doesn't just want to talk. Let's be honest. No, but the no, question I have, yeah, regards to lady Loki is like, does he actually want to work with her? Because like, of course, you know, he's like, I'm going to overthrow the sacred timeline and you can be my Lieutenant. It's like, he doesn't propose the two of them do it together or that he's like, I want to help you. It's like, I'm going to do it and you're going to be my lackey. And she's like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. I ain't nobody's lackey. I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, like, I wonder if she's going to kind of school him a little bit on humility almost, or if she'll bring out the best in him or even the worst in him. I don't know. Like, from what we saw in the trailers, it could kind of go either way, you know, because we've seen most of what they showed us in the trailers. There's a Mm -hmm. couple scenes that I'm kind of waiting for where especially that one scene where it seems to be he's in a standoff with two different groups only for his own crew to kind of point their weapons at him you know yeah so well we'll we'll see you know i'm i'm really hoping that they keep around loki a little longer just because i'm I'm fascinated by his character at this point finally they got me to care a little more than they did before but i do like your idea caroline about there is the possibility of multiple loki's there's just I know that there's like a teenage Loki out there. I read that uh, comic strip with the Young Avengers, and that'd be cool, you know. That way Tom Hiddleston can have a break, and 
we can get other actors to shine with this character who's basically there everywhere. Like, seriously, the dude pops up when you least expect it. Like, I've seen him in Squirrel Girl comics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, if he's a teenager, that does make sense. But but yeah, that would be that'd be fun. Um, also, I know that like Frog Thor has happened in the MCU at some point. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, like. <laughs> Can that happen again, or can that be something that, like, can we have teenage Loki maybe in New York, and like he's got Throg with him, and they have adventures? <laughs> or something? Throg. I feel bad for this show. It's like I'm watching this show, and I keep coming off with spinoffs for it, and it's instead of just watching the show. Um, <laughs> I feel like we have our own like timeline or whatever like if things we're supposed to talk about you know and then they just branch off to like we want this spinoff we want that spinoff <laughs> exactly yeah but i i think that at least to me i feel like the idea of multiple lokis is definitely and lady loki i don't think she's going anywhere because i think that part of um what's going on with phase four is that there's a lot of there's some passing of the baton that's going on or there's some kind of like adjusting to like hey these new characters can have this mantle now and i mean again that's one of those things where it it sounds kind of like housekeeping but you know we saw with falcon and the winter soldier like the question of who should be the next captain america is a really loaded question mm -hmm. because then you ask the question of should captain america exist so should super soldiers exist you know, and of course, with Sam Wilson, should Sam, should, like, should a black man be Captain America? Should Sam Wilson personally be Captain America? And that's kind of a huge portion of that show is asking that question. Um, and so it's not just a like, okay, uh, Chris is gone. Come on up here, Anthony. You're the new, you're the new thing. Um, <laughs> right? There's a process, folks. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's a very loaded question. And, you know, we've also got, like, bad wannabe Captain Americas. So, yeah. like, the question of who who is that character is so central to um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I mean, to the point where it's been, it's, like, retroactively renamed Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Which is kind of a problem because we already have a movie called that. Oh, no. Not that I want to take anything away from Sam. Like, he's Captain America now, but, like, uh, it is a title thing. It's going to get confusing. So like that, I think the idea of this series partially involving a either baton passing or sort of the existence of other Lokis seems to me to make sense. And again, the central premise is there are a bunch of different variants of this same person. So he can kind of be anyone. So yes, and I am honestly really eager to see that if that's the route they're going, I'm I'm all about passing the mantle, especially since they did it so beautifully with Sam Wilson, you know, Anthony Mackie, you're going to be great, baby. Yes. Oh my gosh. Is there any other uh, major thoughts that you would like to talk about with this episode? Or do you want to briefly go over your Carter connection real quick? Okay, so, well, I've got, I've got a couple of like small random thoughts, and then I have sort of a uh, mythology thing that I kind of wanted to touch on with this character. So here, I'll do the random thoughts first. Um, first of all, I just want to say, I I think Tara Strong's uh, as Miss Minutes is super cute. I yes. love that character. Yes, I love Tara Strong. I know she's, she is so fun and everything. And now we have her as like, 
an adorable talking clock with a southern accent who's like a strange like animate corporate mascot yeah and the fact that she's kind of sentient almost i i I love that thank you marvel i didn't realize i needed that thank you yeah it's funny because i feel like you know loki himself is almost kind of a cartoon character you know in that like he keeps dying and coming back and like it's kind of like a a a warner brothers character or something that keeps getting an anvil dropped on his head but he keeps (laughs) like moving forward so it's kind of funny for him to be interacting with an actual cartoon yeah that that i never even realized the irony of that i think i was too busy focusing on tara strong and being like man marvel can get anybody but yeah that's really ironic when you think about it yeah um let's see and then the other kind of smaller thing i had was the possible carter connection at the end, um, when they go to the Rocks Cart um, Mega Store, I, I noticed that because of the two, the way it's spelled, it looks pretty similar to the Roxxon Corporation, which is kind of a, a crooked corporation. Uh, that's a bit of a tautology, but anyway, it's a crooked corporation in the comics. I don't know a whole lot about its history there, um, other than I think there's a lot of uh, like a rivalry between that and Stark Industries. Um, so naturally it shows up in Agent Carter in its 1940s incarnation, um, in the second season of Agent Carter. So I'm kind of thinking that it would make a lot of sense if Roxxon became Roxcart at some point in the 20th century, you know? Yeah, honestly, I didn't know that. Like when you pointed it out, I'm like, I don't know what Roxxon is. And you're like, oh, Agent Carter thing. I'm like, oh, there it is. I'm surprised it took us this long to get a Carter connection, but we got it. We got it. Yep. We, I will find one eventually. Um, Don't worry. Uh, (laughs) I mean, yeah, between me and Bridget, one of us will find one eventually. It's going to happen. Yeah, I wonder if that's maybe just a nod toward this corporation or if it might mean something a little later. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You know, maybe not just because like there's just we've already got a couple things going on here. Not as much as uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier with their various plot sweaters. But I feel like mm-hmm. between existential crises and female Loki, we get our hands full already. Yeah, it's funny because even though this is like the plot of this is seems so sort of like cosmos spanning, I feel like it's actually a lot more contained because like it very much is about Loki and trying to find this Loki variant and what's going on with that, with this overall theme of like the timeline. Um, And I I kind of like how sort of laid back it is, you know, it doesn't feel like a gazillion things happen in every episode, at least to me. Yeah, it like... It sticks to the major points and it kind of sticks to it kind of touches upon small things here and there, but nothing super major that kind of takes us away from the main point, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure um, what's up with the rocks cart corporation or rocks on corporation. I think it might, if I'm, if I'm right, I think it might just be an Easter egg um, though. I have heard this theory that like people think that there looked like there was a 1940s woman somewhere in the TVA and they think it's Peggy so there might already be a Carter connection, but I don't know. I think that's, on the one hand, I kind of love the idea that like, I don't know, Steve and Peggy are hopping around the timeline and like having timeline shenanigans now, in addition to what I believe are their like shenanigans in their alternate timeline. 
But, you know, it does raise some questions about what happened with Steve putting all the stones back. If it was just like, oh, that's just part of the timeline. Or if like his new timeline doesn't count as a branch or if he's back in the same timeline um, or how that works. Other than like the the uh, the TVA seems to, I don't know, have a thing with the Avengers where they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they, they can do that. That's fine. But you, Loki. Right. You can get in line. Right, that like totally bothered me in the previous episode. I was just like, wait, 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 hold up. Don't get me wrong. I love the Avengers and I love Cap. I will not change his story for anything, but why isn't he getting any crap? You know, and they're like, oh yeah, they were meant to do that. And I'm just like, you're gonna have to explain this for me. I think you're full of shit. Yep, I I think so too, because I'm also like, okay, so timelines are part of the whole Thanos snapping half the life in the universe out of commission because like Dr. Strange says he could see a whole bunch of different potential timelines. So I'm like, Hey TVA, why didn't you just have one of those happen? So you didn't have to let the Avengers go back and scrunch up the timeline. You know, it seems like you should be preventing that if you want there to be one clean timeline. Seriously. I like, I think of like the phase four jokes, like, you know how like they joke like about the Eternals, like, hey, where were you, you know, supposedly not meddling in affairs or whatever? Where were you when Thanos was there? You know, people are making jokes about it, but Mm -hmm. I kind of was thinking the same about the TVA. Like, yeah, where were you guys when all this stuff was happening? Like, maybe whatever you can write off that, oh, yeah, Thanos was supposed to do that, but... The Avengers are supposed to fix it, but it's like, bruh, I don't know. There was a lot of timeline stuff that just kind of went all out of whack. I don't know. Yeah. And then you also get into this question of like collateral damage. You know, it's like if there is supposed to be one timeline and theoretically that one timeline exists to prevent loss of life. Well, why shouldn't you be trying to maintain Um, people within that timeline or is it just that like because the fate is of multiple universes you think that no basically no amount of life loss is ever going to measure up to that and so that's an acceptable sacrifice you know yeah i'm kind of hoping at the end of this we we meet the uh space lizards i mean uh timekeepers (laughs) and kind of hear their perspective that'd be kind of neat you know, maybe they'll have a better explanation for this, or maybe it's just one of those philosophical existential things that might also happen. But yeah, just a lot of questions there as to why certain things were allowed versus other things not, other than for the sake of plot. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that also gets into the question of these apocalypses of, you know, again, like, why can't these disasters be averted if you know they're coming and you know they're going to happen? you know, and you have the power to change that. And although that also gets into my, something that I was mentioning is that it, it bugs me that I can't figure out the pattern of the years that um, alternate Loki, Lady Loki is jumping to, you know, like, I don't know, because the thing is, they don't proceed like major cataclysms, like they, you'd think they might if she's hopping into apocalypses, you know? Yeah. Like, if she's hopping into, for instance, Krakatoa, it would make sense for her to be showing up in, I think it went off, it, it exploded in like the 1880s. Um, don't quote me on that, but I know it was much later than 1858, uh-huh. which is when she, she, we see her in episode one, 
you know, or same with like, I was trying to figure out for the life of me, I think it's 1546 when they show up in the cathedral and uh, Aix-en-Provence. And I don't know what happened in 1546 that would relate to this. Like there was a lot of like civil unrest in England and a lot of rebellions in England, but not in France. <laughs> I mean, I think England and France were technically at war at that point, but they were always at war. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Like, it wasn't even during the Hundred Years War. Like if it were during the Hundred Years War, I'm like, okay, that would make sense. It's like, that's what's going on with the timeline. But like, it wasn't. I think it was just like they were fighting about Calais again or something. You know, no offense to, to the people who died in the stupid fight over Calais, but it was a stupid <laughs> fight. And those people shouldn't have died. England and France, you you guys needed to make friends and... Uh, Henry VIII was the worst. Okay. Um, anyway, I summed up all the 1500s. Um, no, <laughs> this is why I love hearing you talk, Caroline. You bring in these historical facts that I just like add a whole nother layer. And you mentioned that you have some uh, mythology in regards to Loki too. Ah, dazzle me. <laughs> um, I don't think it'll be that dazzling. I just think it's interesting because when I was watching the first episode, one, I noted a couple of things. First of all, that the the child they meet in the cathedral when they're asked where he got the bubblegum from. And I mean, I also wonder about the bubblegum. Like, was that Lady Loki planting um, a lead or was it like she genuinely was doing like, you know, had a nice moment where she wanted to give the kid a treat, you know, huh. that's a question. Um, but, you know, he immediately points to uh, like an image of presumably Satan in the cathedral window. And I think that that's interesting because like during, I mean, the, you know, the, the transition of Scandinavia from a society that worshipped Odin and Thor and Loki as gods to um, a society that became largely Christian, you know, that didn't happen overnight, obviously. Like yeah. there was a long period of transition between those two. And there were definitely times when those two belief systems were coexisting. And there were also people who adopted both at the same time. Like, I know you're not supposed to do that in monotheism, but, you know, don't tell the Vikings because um, just just don't tell Vikings not to do stuff. You know, they get very aggressive. <laughs> but yeah, you had a lot of Vikings who would adopt both belief systems. Like they would um, still keep kind of worshiping Odin, but also be technically baptized as Christians. So I think, you know, with a lot of these pre uh, these, you know, previous belief systems, these polytheistic belief systems, there's a question about like how, I guess how certain figures, you know, if they kind of translate into the new religion or if people are still thinking about them and referring back to them. And one of the ways that happens is that like, um, I honestly, Satan kind of ends up being a whole bunch of different figures in a trench coat um, <laughs> because there's just a lot of like different like, oh, is Hades Satan? Is, you know, this guy Satan? Is Loki Satan? Is one of those questions that shows up during this transition in Scandinavia is like there's a lot of questions about like Loki and kind of being identified or misidentified as a satanic figure. So I thought that was interesting. No, that's fascinating. And <laughs> I was definitely dazzled. Just, I love, again, Caroline, when you bring up these facts. And, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm thinking like Loki as a Satan figure. I'm just like, nah, demonic at worst, maybe, but not <laughs> really, you know. 
Yeah. I mean, then you also get the question of like within the broader MCU, because I know there's a Mephisto in the comics and we were wondering if they were going to appear in WandaVision. And it's like, is this foreshadowing to maybe like Mephisto is going to show up in Multiverse of Madness or are they going down that route? You know, I think that's another question. Hard to say, but all I know is that uh, the people of Marvel are definitely hinting that whatever's going to happen next is going to be bigger than the Infinity Wars, which I'm just like, Okay, a part of me is skeptical, but another part of me is just like, <laughs> I am running. I am, nope. Because I was also skeptical when people came out of uh, Infinity War, like, oh my gosh, you know, all traumatized. And me, I'm just like, what are you guys talking about? Oh my god, Marvel's put this through so much. What are you talking about? What could be worse? I leave and I'm just like, oh my gosh! So, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they'll have something a little darker and deeper there that they're just hinting at now with Loki, for all we know. Yeah, I. it's hard to say if it's going to get bigger because there's definitely a lot of cosmic aspects that are getting touched on and hinted at. And also, you know, they're expanding this question of, like, where magic fits in to the MCU. Um, but I think it's getting a little weirder, which I appreciate. So I'm curious to see if that's the case. I think if they are going to immediately be like, oh yeah, this is bigger than Infinity War and bigger than Endgame. And like, oh, okay, slow down, slow down. We can't have like an Endgame style event every couple of years, all right? Like that <laughs> needs to be a cool down period, man. Yeah. And also they need to realize that like Endgame was like, what, 10, 11, 12 years in the making or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Cool yeah. your jets, MCU. Just <laughs> yeah. Focus cool on what jets. you got now, please. Exactly. That's how I feel. Um, but speaking of big apocalypses, uh, I wanted to touch on kind of another related point about Loki and mythology. It's that um, within Norse mythology, once again, Loki is just kind of a slippery little snake um, in terms of trying to figure out who he is and like how he was worshipped. And all that good stuff. Because, you know, the the Vikings, like me, when I go to the store and I forget something, they didn't write stuff down. So <laughs> they forget some stuff. Um, you know, oh not gosh. don't want to like, I'm not trying to diss oral traditions because those are super important. Um, but the problem with the Vikings is that they did kind of lose um, their original mythology. And so what we have is kind of been recreated sort of after the fact. So we're not a hundred percent sure about all of it. There are some basics we're like, okay, we're pretty sure we know what Odin's deal is. We're pretty sure we know what Thor's deal is. We're pretty sure we know like who Freya is, but Loki, um, we got a lot of stories with him, but it's kind of hard to tell like what his role was in the Pantheon necessarily. Um, and kind of one of the things that has been suggested or interpreted is that Loki kind of acts as this bridge between Ragnarok and the world that comes afterwards. So as I was saying earlier, there was this transition from um, Norse paganism to Christianity. And for some Scandinavians, they were kind of trying to make those two belief systems make sense with each other. And I think one of the ways people, it seems like one of the ways people might've done that is to suggest that like the Norse gods were powerful at one point, but then Ragnarok happened and the world was destroyed and it made way for the new world with the new God. So in that context, Loki starting off, if you believe that Loki starting off Ragnarok as he does in the mythology, presumably 
is actually kind of a good thing. So it's almost like, and that's why I bring this up is because what Mobius says about Loki is that you do terrible things so that other people can be at their best. And it kind of makes me wonder if that's what they're referencing or referring to is the idea of Loki kind of brings the destruction that creates a new world. You know, I don't know. Again, it's hard to say if that's what Scandinavians really believed at that point or, you know, if that's something that I think makes sense for Loki or like, again, is it worth it to bring an apocalypse, you know, that a lot of people are going to get killed in? even if it creates something, you know, else or something new or something better. This is a very kind of open-ended, um, big picture, themey thought, but it was something that I just wanted to share. No, thank you so much for sharing. Um, just, I think like my mind's a little boggled that people really didn't write things down. Like, <laughs> I, like I should not be stuck on that fact alone, but I am. All right, just... <laughs> Well, again, I think, as I said, I'm I'm making a joke of it, but I'm only doing it because I'm talking about a European culture that like was changed to a new religion relatively peacefully. Um, there are a lot of other cultures whose mythology has been unfortunately lost in this process because like we can't read their writing or they passed it on through oral tradition. But, you know, again, it, if, if you come from a culture where like these stories are just something everyone tells, you know, at night around the fire, like you might not feel the need to write them down because everyone knows them. I think there's also some speculation that the Vikings thought that there was a specific kind of power in writing stuff down that um, like, for instance, they got kind of when they take books, um, they sometimes would like rip out all the pages and they just take like the binding. And that might've just been because they wanted the shiny stuff that they were found in. Um, <laughs> You know, oftentimes these books were bound in like precious metals and they had jewels on them. So they're like, well, okay, the paper's useless, but this stuff, this stuff we can sell. <laughs> but there's also an idea possibly that they found it sort of threatening. Like they thought these words had some kind of power that they wanted to neutralize. So um, it's just, it's hard to say with ancient Scandinavia because like we're just le learning so much about them that we didn't know before. Um Partially because, again, even though they had this rune system that they used to record stuff, they didn't write a lot of their literature or poetry down until um, the the medieval age, uh, after they'd been Christianized and after they, you know, started learning like the Roman alphabet and stuff like that and using that to communicate. Wow, that's fascinating. I'm thinking to myself, like, I know Loki's part of mythology. You know, even on. Like, I'm guessing Midgard has their own mythologies, but I feel like they made a reference to it in one of the Thor movies, you know? Not that I can remember, it's kind of been a while. But I'll, I'll tell you one thing, no matter what happens at the end of this show, no one's gonna forget what Loki's done. He, if anything, he's probably gonna write a ballad about himself. <laughs> You're right, what we are watching right now is the saga of Loki. <laughs> he's gonna write it all down. <laughs> But, but yeah, Midgard is is the ancient like way of referring to um, the basically Earth. So this the in, in Norse mythology, as far as we know, there was an idea that like Asgard, where the gods lived, is sort of um, this celestial other world. Then you've got Midgard, which means basically like the place in the middle. Um, think of Middle Earth, for instance. Yep. It's actually good to think of Middle Earth a lot because Tolkien really liked Norse mythology. So you can see 
um, a lot of that in his work, um, if you're familiar, more familiar with that. So yeah, Middle Earth is kind of like Midgard. It's the place in the middle. Um, and then you go down, in Norse mythology, you go down deeper into like the underworld or hell, um, where Hela is presumably in charge at some point, um, who we meet in the Thor movies as the goddess of death. So. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's what mid that's the deal with Midgard. So they do have their own mythology and it's called the mythology of everyone here on earth. <laughs> so there's a lot of it. <laughs> yes. So true. And you know, like slightly off topic, but slightly on topic. Um, I'm thinking about like one of the questions you had brought up during our chat, you know, while we're watching the episode, how come is it that like the time variance uh, well, time variant Loki, I guess, Lady Loki. How come she's messing with the um, uh, Midgard's apocalypses? Like, would it cause too much unnecessary destruction if she were to go anywhere else? You know, despite that, I'm guessing other planets must have had apocalypses that were just as big as uh, Pompeii and our hurricanes and such. Yeah, yeah, that was something I was kind of wondering. It's like, I, I sort of feel like the um, the Asgardians kind of have a uh, some sort of special relationship with Earth where they just kind of keep coming back here. And it's hard to say like where that started, you know, if that started with like the fight with the Frost Giants. And just so you know, I was kind of simplifying by being like, okay, here are the three levels because there are technically a lot of other realms um, that we run into in Thor the Dark World. Mm -hmm. And um, don't ask me to say all their names, please. <laughs> Because I don't know them, but the frost giants live in Jotunheim and they presumably came down from there into Midgard and like the Asgardians beat them back, but also made a secret under the table handshake deal with them that Odin didn't tell anyone about because, because he's Odin. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, it seems like for whatever reason, the Asgardians seem to see themselves as themselves as like the protectors of earth or like the in Loki's case for some reason he's like yes I shall rule Midgard and Midgard I shall rule that first and it's like why why earth why do you want why do you want Midgard um so it seems like the Lokis have some kind of connection or maybe it's just the Asgardians have like this strong connection to earth and I'm not sure why maybe they just like couldn't get anyone else to worship them as gods <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't really see like Xandar doing it. They're probably like, uh, no. Then I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, I know that there are other realms. Uh, Vanaheim, Alfheim. Yeah, Spartalheim. I think those are those are the realms. There are others I know, but um, but yeah, it's very possible that those were all like had the same kind of like spacefaring technology and magic tech that the Asgardians did and then Earth didn't at that point so they could just come down and be like I am Thor watch me do this thing with the thunder and people were like although you know people in Norway were like oh yeah sure you betcha you look pretty impressive okay you're a god now <laughs> and Thor's like yes this is awesome yeah I can't really pull that off anywhere else oh my gosh so maybe maybe that's why Lady Loki's been kind of hiding throughout Midgard apocalypses or whatever, just because there's like less likely to be seen and caught by something other than the TVA, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, actually a really good potential answer to the question is that with earth, it's like, there are a bunch of like magic people and super soldiers and like hulks and others and inhumans running around, but like, it doesn't, 
it is possible that it's especially if you go back into earth's history like the technology and the arrival of like cosmic forces that could notice other presences are pretty new so you could kind of get away with jumping to like the 1500s and you know maybe there are some people within human dna or something or maybe the asgardians might be like chilling out at some other part of the earth but you're not as likely to run into anyone or maybe the the sorcerer supreme and the the magic people are still up in um Kamaritage and stuff like that but if you stay away from like Kamaritage or something you can kind of run around run all over the place and no one will notice you yeah I- I didn't think of that specifically because like while you were talking I'm thinking wait a minute yeah we don't like Midgard doesn't really have like magical stuff or whatever but we have the ancient one and we have supposedly have the Eternals what are they doing but I guess Lady Loki she's probably like okay as long as uh let's see where are they right now they're on this part of the map this part of the map okay I'll just avoid that all right let's go yeah, I think, I mean, I cannot answer the question of what the Eternals are up to until I've seen the Eternals. <laughs> um, so hopefully that movie will answer that question. But um, with the Sorcerer Supreme, I feel like they have not been, or they've been kind of, maybe they've been more involved than we think they've been. Because like, I know in Endgame, for instance, we know that um, the Ancient One was like fighting, you know, during the Battle of New York. It's just nobody knew she was there the whole time because she didn't bother to like, go over to the Avengers and be like, hi, I'm the ancient one. Um, I'm also here and I helped you guys out. You're welcome. <laughs> that would have been so funny, but yeah. <laughs> You're right. That would have been fun if she had done that and everyone's just like, wait, who are you? And so, but I kind of get the sense that the um, the wizard group is like very specifically focused on certain like dimensional things. And so- it's possible, but it's also like they have the Eye of Agamotto, which is the time stone, you know, so they presumably have an interest in time, but maybe they just like are so averse to mucking with the timeline. Hey, maybe they've got some kind of uh, like agreement with the TVA about like not messing with the timeline. Cause like when Dr. Strange first is like, Ooh, what does this thing do? Wong's like, don't, don't use that. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see like the TVA going like, we're not going to have any problems here. And then you got the ancient one and her peeps like, uh, we don't have a problem. You do your job, we'll do ours. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, that would be, again, I'm very curious. I feel like I've got, I've had a lot, we've had a lot of these conversations about the future of the MCU, which is like, what's going to happen in Multiverse of Madness? Like, <laughs> It all comes back to that. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I hope I'm not like setting myself up to be disappointed with that movie because like, I, you know, I want to just judge it as a movie, but I'm also like, I feel like there's just a lot of questions about magic and the multiverse that Multiverse of Madness is kind of advertising itself as being about, you know, or is going to be talking about. And so like, if we get there and it's not actually about any of those things, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a little, little disappointing. I still have some questions, but... <laughs> Yeah, I'll bet you anything, like, Marvel's just, like, just sitting back waiting for all these theories to pop up and being like, oh, crud, why didn't we think of that? Well, you know what? We're going to take that one theory and we're going to make it better. They're probably listening to us right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're right. That's it. That's what's happening. That's, um, yeah, they're they're taking notes as, as always, as they should be. All right, Marvel, since you've been hearing us, take our brilliant of ideas of spinoffs. Thank you. And don't let us down. That's all I ask. Yep. That's that's all. Just like 
keep being entertaining, keep making good stuff. Uh, maybe answer some questions eventually. Uh, and, and please don't let us down, okay? <laughs> eventually, please. Eventually, yes. Just like at some point we would like, I mean, it's not even necessarily answers because like I do enjoy questions, but I'm like, just like, Okay, you can only throw out so many. I like questions, but you can only throw out so many questions until it starts to get frustrating. True, uh, true. We can only speculate for so long. Exactly. You know, or else if 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 people are left speculating for too long, you know, they they go into like hiatus holes and they come out with these like really off the wall fan theories, and then they get disappointed when they're not true. <laughs> and um, we we don't want that to happen. Okay, please don't. We're fragile, Marvel. We're fragile. <laughs> exactly just uh yeah be be careful with our our emotions and our our speculations and our investment okay because we're very we're very invested in this as you you've made us invested in this so now you've gotta like uh be be aware of that okay yes please like you you started this okay we didn't start this you were the ones who made us care about these characters you dragged us into this marvel now you better um you better pay up here. Take responsibility for this mess you've caused. And I'm talking specifically about me. I am the mess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. we, we fans, we are the mess um, to some degree or another. Uh, anyways, was that all your thoughts, Caroline? Or you got any more for a Sorcerer Supreme? Um, that is everything for now. Um, as I was telling you when we were planning this episode, um, we should let the listeners know these are like our hot off the press takes because we have just watched the episode as we are recording this now. And as we were planning this, I'm like, on the one hand, I'm excited to do that. But on the other hand, I just know I'm going to have some shower thoughts eventually <laughs> that are going, I wish I would have said in the podcast, but you know, maybe... Maybe we, we were good without those shower thoughts, but still, I know they're going to they're gonna show up eventually. So um, <laughs> just, just stay posted, all right? Oh, my gosh. After shower thoughts. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You're going to be, like, calling me in the middle of the night or something, and you're going to be like, <laughs> Jen! Oh, my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, what about you? Do you have any other kind of miscellaneous or like any other questions or any predictions for the next episode uh no predictions because the only real thing i'm assuming is that uh loki prime is going to be chasing after lady loki maybe jumping through different realities and timelines as you do but otherwise i have no real concrete theories what about you Um, nothing yet, just some speculations. And I'm just, I'm very curious to know at what point does Loki show up in the like leprechaun suit with the vote for me badge on it? And why does that happen? (laughs) That I got to see too. All right, everyone. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. We have had a great time watching this episode and bouncing ideas off of each other. The Sorcerer Supreme and her apprentice have been reunited and it is amazing. Thank you, Caroline, for joining us. Thank you for watching with, with me because I know like you literally could have watched the episode on your own instead of just hearing me spaz out over every little thing. Aw, it wouldn't have been as much fun to watch it on my own without your like fun little thoughts every few moments. So thank you so much for watching with me and for uh, listening to me doing some rambling. It has been super fun to talk with you. Awesome. Yes, it's always a great time with us, folks. Be jealous.
Um, and for those of you who are jealous or not, don't forget to check us out. You know, not just our podcast. We have a Tumblr. Send us an email. Let us know your thoughts, you know, anything that you want to hear from us or any questions you might have or just general thoughts of, yes, oh my gosh, we need Loki spinoffs. Hold my mead or whatever, you know, the case may be. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts, you know, we're all ears. Yeah. Um, and especially if you can make like a hold my mead, like button or t shirt or some kind of merch with that catchphrase. Uh, I want that to take off and go viral. <laughs> yes, please. Alrighty, everyone. That's all we got. And be sure to join us next week on Nerd Alert! Girls. <laughs> Bye. Bye.